Got time for a quick story or a whole lot of stories. That's what you'll find in a new book from Russ Jaguer, founding member of the association. He sang lead on several of their hits. You hear him singing lead on Windy and Cherish. And he wrote a book called Along Comes the Association, Beyond Folk Rock and Three-Piece Suits. Wrote it with Ashley Wren Collins. And he tells lots and lots of stories about being in the band, the culture of the time. It's an insightful book, and it's an educational book. And in this edition of Got Time for a Quick Story, I'm talking to Russ Jaguer about Along Comes the Association, about this new book. First learned about the book in reading about it uh, in an interview you did with Billboard. And maybe the first thing that intrigued me about this was you telling the stories of the association, obviously being a longtime member, still obviously being associated with the association to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I run the band. Right. So hearing that, I'm going, well, this is interesting. I never would have necessarily thought of what all else had gone on i'll start by asking this what other books around about assorted bands and whatnot are similarly kind of a let's set the record straight the kind of i don't want to say it's an inspiration for this book but would you would describe as something akin to along comes the association i i honestly have read no other books (laughs) (laughs) yeah most bands i know the story and a lot of them i don't care well, and as you and as you pointed out, the, some of the books that have been written on the association don't tell the story of the association. That's really one of the, the one of the main reasons I wanted to write the book. Is so much uh, has been written about the band; it's not true. And I just thought I'd tell the real story. It's unvarnished, but everyone. What what really impresses me about this is how essentially everyone else who is alive to this day, um, has had their part in this. And they have little quotes, and you have have that all Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and guys in other bands. I had, you know, a lot of people help me with it. Mm-hmm. Danny Hutton with Three Dog Night helped me, you know. Uh, Bernie Ledden with uh, the Eagles, one of the original members of the Eagles. He's, he's been a long I, I We've been friends since before the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and I think he was he's from not far away from where I'm at, ninety miles west of here. What is he from the from Minnesota originally, I believe he's from I, I really I'd like to say yes, but I can't tell you because I don't know. I think he's from somewhere around here, yeah. But um I understand. I was listening to one of the podcasts of one of the interviews you did and, and what the guys in the band they I mean, of course they contributed, but they all like the finished product too. Oh yeah, yeah. I was thrilled. Yeah, it's it took years. It this this isn't like doing an album. I mean, this took years to do this book. What was your favorite story to include of all the stories? And there's a ton of them. Yeah, I never, you know, I never really thought that. I like the stories of the gigs. I like you know different gigs we did. I like uh, I like the story of of Brian finding the we were driving from the in from the airport in Chicago. And uh, Brian saw uh, 
a fire helmet along the along the highway, mm-hmm. and we pulled over and picked it up, and we took it to to a to a fire station that ended up being a second or third generation fireman's hat, fireman's cap. Uh, so it was uh, it was it, so we were we were very popular with the uh, <laughs> with <laughs> with the Chicago Fire Department too. That was it, yeah, that was that was a fun story from that. It seemed like yeah, it's true. Yeah, right. yeah, it was great. And in the book, you you talk about the connections to the the guys who would help you out in Chicago and meeting the the guy when the the airplane incident happened with with the luggage or the the, the oh yeah going yeah the that way. guy unfortunately passed on but he was he was a wonderful man he became a uh, our road manager mm-hmm. he road managed the band for a while well it almost seemed as though Chicago kind of became. I mean, the the vibe I got off of the book was Chicago almost kind of became, I don't want to say a second home, but it kind of seemed to have I this. I think you nailed it exactly. It was like a second home. Right. It was. I think you nailed it. Which I always associated that with Windy. I mean, obviously, I go, okay, stereotype well, Windy you, City. when but... we were recording Windy, it occurred to me while I was recording the lead, I went, God, Windy, wait till this gets out in Chicago, it's going to kick some butt, <laughs> you know. And it did indeed. It, it was great. I mean, Chicago really was like a second home to us. It was great. Touring around the country, did, I'm curious, being up here in western Wisconsin, did, did you guys at any point in your career over the past 50-plus years get, get around here to um, get around to this area? Oh, oh, Claire, oh of in that course. Area? We played every state in the Union guy. Wow. Most of them many times. We even played Alaska like three, two or three times. Well, Alaska is where you started the reunion. Correct me if I'm wrong. Back yeah, when we started the reunion, that was the only state we hadn't played. Right. So we started our, when we got back together. Our, the first state we played was Alaska, and that was our that sort of completed completed uh, the, the circle. So, with all the cities that you visited, what's your favorite city town that you? I tell visited? you, there were. I, we did so many great concerts, Guy, and I'm so proud of what we did. I, I, it, it, there isn't just one. You know, there's Chicago. We did many great shows. Uh, Philadelphia, Miami, uh, everywhere. You know, we, you know, mm-hmm. all over, all over. You being from or, or having, you know, grown up a lot in San Diego. I yeah, I visited there first time. First time I'd ever been to California, actually. Was cool. last summer, um, yeah. When my it was a brother-in-law was had was coming out of boot camp, and so wow. yeah. So we what, what branch was he in? Oh gosh, let's see. Um, the Marines. Um, the Marines, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of Marines now. In yep. It was in late June when they had the ceremony, and so my wife and I and her and her mom all flew out and <laughs> checked that out, and I. I came away with such a positive impression of San Diego. Granted, it's only like four days that I was there, so I really didn't get much of a chance. And of course, a lot I'll of tell my- you, it was a great place to be raised. I was raised there. I was born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. but I, from five to nineteen, I was in a, in San Diego. It was a wonderful place to be raised. A lot, of, a lot of canyons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seemed so. It was. It was almost. I mean, for for someone from the Upper Midwest, it, it's almost otherworldly seeing it. Sing out yeah, out it was. It was quite, quite. It was wonderful, wonderful. Like I said, it was a wonderful place to be raised. In. What is your favorite thing? And by thing, I'm meaning that in a broad sense. So, however you want to term that, about San Diego. Uh, I think the weather, you know, and the fact that I had, every, we we lived in a bunch of different places. There were always great canyons. 
I mean, I did made a, built a lot of forts, which a lot of ropes and a lot of trees, <laughs> a lot of caves were dug, a lot of uh, a lot of rafts were made. You know, it was great. It was just wonderful. I remember when I was out there, they would they were talking about the clouds clearing, and they actually got the, at a hotel I visited because I had a relative who who worked at uh, one of the hotels in the downtown. It was cool. still it was still cloudy, and they and they said they knew we were from out of out of state, and they said just give it about an hour. Right about eleven o'clock, it's going to clear. I'm like. Cool. Okay, and lo and behold, an hour later, and I could see on the weather forecast that they said right about then. They yeah. like, is that true? Like they nailed that. Like they yeah, know the time was, the sun comes amazing. out. We lived in. Uh, we also had a, a red, uh, we rented a house in El Cajon, mm-hmm. and also in Lemon Grove, but mostly we were in East San Diego. Cool. Very nice. Um, moving on to as the as your career. With the, with the band starts to get going. You well, we're actually, I'll rewind a little bit to the men. And reading the little bit about about that and this huge group, and then you start to get involved, a couple people leave, and then, of course, the incident when Jules leaves and Ted leaves. And Brian yeah, leaves. They, yeah. They almost... was, we were rehearsing, and somebody called a meeting. So we all went into this office. This, this place was, a, it's now a... a, a I don't know what it was. Um, anyway, it's a it's a studio for uh, they don't work out what do they call it. Um, uh, it's a pra- Middle Eastern practice. Uh, like yoga. Yoga, yeah. It's a giant yoga studio, okay. but they had a proscenium stage in the back. And this guy calls a called a called a, a meeting, and I w- I only been with the group a couple. Of Couple of months, so I had no idea what this guy was talking about. But we were down to eleven guys. Anyway, all eleven of us went in this office. This guy started raking Terry up and down with up and down the coals with these questions. You know, well, you were supposed to do this, and and I'm going, and I'm just sitting there, not saying a word. I had no idea what was going on. I'm going, what is this? And all of a sudden, Jules stood up and says, "I'm tired of this. I'm out of here." And he stood up and walked out. I said, you know, I don't even know what you're talking about. i got to go with Jules. So I stood up and walked out. Terry, Ted, all the guys stood up. Uh, then uh, Ter- Terry Kirkman, as he walked out, said, you know, you just lost your van. <laughs> so we met out on the sidewalk. We uh, went to Terry's house, which was about a, maybe a mile away. Went to his uh, apartment. Picked a name and started rehearsing the next day. <laughs> do you think had had y'all not left do you think the men could have been nationally successful even maybe accounting for personalities and such do you think that size of a group and I know there were like the new Christy Minstrels you mentioned them several times in the book yeah, yeah. I mean they had they had national success do you think yeah. the men could have gone on to success or is that one of those where well I tell you what I've never thought of that but I don't think so hmm. <laughs> I've never considered it but as I think about it now I don't think so I think it, I think the right thing happened for us you know it was we gave ourselves two years to have a top 40 record in a year and a half along goes Mary hit number seven on the charts which was far beyond our expectations. Our next hit went, was Cherish, which went to number one. So we were thrilled and delighted, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Putting together the harmonies, um, 
that uh, that I from the book I kind of come get a takeaway that that all kind of comes from those other events of the troubadour and the ice house and being in different groups and such and oh yeah kinda, kinda, for sure kind of establishes that as this is the technique we want to use and it is so identifiable again you you make up you make a a, a repeated point in the book of saying there's not a label you can put on the band. I guess if there's a description, part of it would be the particular harmony of yeah. Well, I the tell association. you, we, the way I think about it, we we just did art and we did it well. You know, Cherish was a, the uh, the standard reaction to Cherish even before we we had it recorded. We do the song and people would just sit there in silence and then applaud. Because they'd sort of be stunned by the how strong the arrangement is, and after we got to be a hit, it generally got the same reaction. We'd finish the song, and there'd be this absolute silence, and then the applause would start. So, would you? It's, just, uh, it's a great arrangement. Well, and as you're as you're assembling the the way the band is going to sound, of course, Cherish is from that first album, so this is for the 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 gestation, if you will, of of the association. Is there? A, did you look at, look at everyone in in the group? Not like you, but does everyone kind of look together the group, see what your assets are, what you can bring to the table, and go? Okay, we have these particular voice parts. These all work. Jim Yester can do the high parts, and you've you've got your parts there, and figure we can make something of this. Was there well, ever we any intention? The top, we had two tenders, three baritones, and a bass. So we were, you know, and several of us can squeak out a little tender when we need it. But we sort of had, we, we were very conscious of the vocal spread in the band when when we started, when we started arranging. So we were real happy about that. Jim was the last member added, uh, Jim Yester, and his brother Jerry Yester was in a group called the MFQ, the Modern Folk Quartet. Mm-hmm. And he was a great tenor. And the first question I asked him when he came, when he when he was auditioning for the band was, I said, "Can you sing as high as your brother?" He said, "I have several notes on my brother." <laughs> so we were thrilled about that. And so it becomes an identifiable sound. But you're also recording, and you're living in this house. Yeah, four of us, all all together. And then you got to, and then recording the the session the, the the sessions for the first album, uh, for along comes the association. You mentioned in the book about how there were a few songs that you recorded the vocals in a in a professional studio, but a lot of this was done all right there in 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 a house. A lot of it was done in a house and in a garage, and it, that's where most of the tracks from a lot of the we recorded the vocals for four tunes in a studio. And that's all. So, you know, that's because so it's all we could afford. So is there any sort of sound baffling or anything? Because as I'm reading this and hearing you guys, or reading about, well, not only the recording sessions, but also all the practicing that was happening in that one house. can't remember exactly the location, but, but you know, the in house. Hollywood. Right. And I'm thinking, if someone's walking by or driving by, uh, they, they're clearly hearing this all the time. Was that, that's just something you well, didn't... Well, no, no, not actually. They were, the... the uh, it was sort of you could really couldn't hear it from outside the uh, in, in the garage. They had egg cartons on the wall. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for and that's where we cut a lot of the tracks. Okay, I was wondering how the sound baffling kind of worked there because part. Yeah, then we you couldn't hear cars going by or any of that. It was, <laughs> it was actually good, and and we did we we actually had the first eight track. It, we. we 
coordinated two four tracks mm-hmm. to make one eight track. It sounded it, the end result. It sounds nicely layered. How many? How, okay, so when you're recording the harmonies. Was that, and I don't know if you're in a studio, that's a little bit different because you have access to different equipment and such, but were the harmonies all cut in one session or were they overdubbed? Oh, they were overdubbed. They were, we cut the tracks first and then we, then we put the harmonies but on. Were the, but all, all the singers at one time, were they all singing all at one time? Not at one time. They, uh, sometimes we do uh, the lead part, then we'd add the tenors, then we'd add the bass. You know, sometimes we'd do that. Sometimes we'd all sing together. Mm-hmm. It depended on the tune. You know, we did different things. I know you talked about the troops and then the wrecking crew rec- oh, yeah. playing on the recordings. And I would strongly encourage anyone who d- who doesn't know about, especially the wrecking crew, watch the doc on that. And yeah, yeah, they're incredibly, incredibly talented uh, you you mentioned you mentioned them it was what was the first point where you understood that nope you 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 guys in the association you're not going to be playing on the recording it's going to be session well, we had some of the guys played uh, right. Jules played lead on a lot, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. uh terry played recorder you know a wooden a wooden flute mm-hmm. on long comes mary uh but basically the basic tracks uh were the with the studio studio uh, musicians, you've t- you mentioned Joe Osborne and some of the other oh, yeah. other guys in there. Which which session guy most or gal I should say because there were some some of the, it was it was all across the board. Which, which session well, I guy? Like, there were a lot of guys. The, the guy who did uh, there was a tune called uh, "Want Ain't Getting," written written by Mike DC, who was uh, did a lot of the guitar work on. Uh, 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 Never My Love and Wendy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a great player. I liked him a lot. He was mm-hmm. quite unique. What was your favorite TV show appearance? Uh, I don't know. That. I mean, Andy Williams was a lot of fun. Uh, they were, we, they had the Smothers Brothers was great. They, they we did the Southern Brothers several times. Uh, Ed Sullivan was great. We did Ed Sullivan two or three times. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We had a lot of. I tell you, we we just had a lot of fun. <laughs> when you we were so grateful that we, because if we hadn't had a top forty hit at the end of two years, we would have broken up. Right. So I, you know, everyone was sort of grateful that we did. Right. <laughs> and so that we continued on. When you're and now when you're playing on these national stages, is there a certain point where you realize, okay, we are playing on a nationally televised show? Okay, wow, this this is going out nationwide. Everyone across the country is going to see what we're about to do right now. Was there a point that that kind of hit you? Well, we knew it from the time. I mean, we we rehearsed for five or six months before we ever performed anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, we were we weren't one of those bands that was together a week and then started to play. You know, we really rehearsed for five or six months, so we were we were a pretty together guy. You know, we knew what we wanted, we knew what we were doing. We ha- we have meetings every Thursday. They were strictly about the group. Uh, these were not. We never picked music. We only discussed what we were doing on stage and. Uh, the music we were choosing and how we were doing it. We just discussed group stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, that was every Thursday for months. Wow. And we, no one was part of it, just the six guys in the band. And we did, you know, it was a. Uh, we knew what we knew what we were going for. I remember someone saying, "Oh, what makes you think you could make it?" I said, "Well, we're intelligent, we're talented, and we know what we want." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that lineup that you finally settled on between you and Terry, Jules, Brian, Ted, and then when Jim came in? Yeah. Did, did you? Do you think had that six that that sextet? Not come together in those in those early months you're talking about. Do you think you would have had that same level of success without those particular six people? No, I really don't. I think we had the exact the exact right guys. You know, Jim, Jim still Jim sang great. He sings as good or better now, and the man is eighty years old. <laughs> wow! And he still sings his ass off. Wow! You know, he still sings so well. And Jewel, the band has got, still got two of the original members in it. It's got uh, Larry Robinson's brother, Dale. You know, it's it's, uh, it's it's still a great group. They say I see I always go out and see them when they play locally. Mm-hmm. Um, by the speaking of of the guys who who are the ones who are still with us, um, what's Terry up to nowadays? What's uh, what's Ted up to nowadays? What are they doing? Uh, Ted. Terry is retired uh, entirely. Is uh, I still talk to him every couple of months. He he helped me a lot with the book. He had a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he finally retired. He was a substance abuse counselor for a number of years. Uh, Ted has been retired for a number of years. He's uh, he I actually he actually married me about a, a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I thought it was nice. It was great. That's really cool. We got we got married at my lady had a, a birthday party out at this ranch out of town in Acton, a place called Acton, and we got married on the band break. I hired a band to play. This is a small country band, some friends of mine, and uh, we we didn't tell anybody we were going to get married. We just got married on the break. Get <laughs> married. It was great. Cool. Uh, is there anyone? Valerie. Is there anyone you wish could have become part of the band? And it's kind of an odd question, but is there anyone you wish could have been part of this? I don't really know. I, I you know, I never really thought of that, and uh, it pretty well was, you know, I was happy with what we had. I left the band in like seventy, seventy one, and come back, came back in eighty. So mm-hmm. I had a great run with the band. The MacArthur Park story is quite fascinating, and if, if, yeah, anyone, yeah. if anyone hasn't read the book, it's that you guys essentially had first dibs on it. And well, it was written for us, right. but we, we were just finishing an album, and he, and he brought in, he brought him in to play the song, and he played the song. It was like 17 minutes long. <laughs> you know, we were just finishing this album. We said, well, we can't do it now, but, you know, there's a possibility we'll do it when we, after we finish this album. And... Uh, the Bones House said, it, "Well, it can't be cut. It can't be shortened. Can't, nothing can be done." We said, "Well, you know, we we can't do it now for sure. We just finished this album. We we're just finishing this this album." So we we went on the road, and this is about three or four weeks later, and it comes on the air, a shortened version. 
you know, which blew our minds. You know, it was very weird. It, it was a weird, but the the uh, the story was that we had turned it down, and which we did not. You just you know, right because it was yeah it was another decision. And he, that's was just, he was just showing it to us as we were finishing this album. So that's the only thing. I and mean, so anyway, I just that's one of the things I wanted to make sure with the, the true story was told. Right. Because there's all these rumors, all these stories that are not true. Mm hmm. What? And now you know. And now we know. What? Okay. So speaking of of songs that ended up becoming recorded by other artists, is there? A song or songs that I it doesn't necessarily have to be a hit single either. It could be any song, could be an obscure album track, whatever, that another artist ultimately did that you wish the association could have cut. I, I honestly I've never thought of that idea. I don't think I just don't think that way. But uh there were a few uh people who recorded stuff uh uh there was stuff from hair that was recorded by other people, by the Three Dog Diet, by by Fifth Dimension, and uh, which songs that were played for us that we didn't do. And I love the recorded versions. And quite honestly, I never thought I wish we had done it. I just don't think like that for some reason. Other way around, what is your favorite remake or remakes of songs that you guys did do in the association? I love I loved what Wes Montgomery did with several of our tunes. Wes Montgomery was a great guitarist, and he, we played with him once. There was a thing a thing called Melody Land, which was right, right across the freeway from Disneyland. And we played with Wes Montgomery once. There, I think it was called Melody Land. Yeah, Melody Land. It was a theater in the round. Anyway, he did a couple of our tunes. He did great versions of them. So what was your favorite concert to play in the past 54, or I really should say about the five decades you performed with the association. What was your favorite Well, I'll concert? tell you one that really, we played the uh, the Opera House in, in in Chicago. And we played there, I think, for three or four days. And I mean, the first day we played, the sound was so incredible. I, I would always uh, give the, uh, rate the songs rate the shows. Mm -hmm. And the first first show was a 10. <laughs> the second show was an 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so good. I mean, just every show we did three or four days there. It was great, just great shows. Mm -hmm. They were, they, I think that was the first year they, they put in rock and roll. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think, I think, uh, Gary Puckett played there too. I think a bunch of people, but it was great. It was a great, great concert. No, I gotta tell you, We've done so many river fests and outdoor shows, indoor shows. We've played with orchestras. We've had we've had a great career, guy. I can't can't tell you how thrilling I've been. When I get when I rejoined when the band got back together in '80, I played with them like the first time. I only played with them five years, mm -hmm. five or six years. The second time I played from 1980 to 2013. 33 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Second time around. The second time around. It was, just, uh, it was great. It's a fascinating... That happens with so many bands, too, that, that there's that initial wave. Oh, it was wave. just wonderful. It was one, the only, the only uh, year that really didn't make it was 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. 
So we did the gigs that we had booked, and we went for like four or five months without a gig, without working, right. which we have never done. Huh. We have never done ever. And, but it, after 9-11 really affected the whole country. Is there a place, I, either either a venue or a country, because you've been to all the states, any country where you where you wish you could have played with the band? Uh, I always wanted to play for the commies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I always wanted to play Russia, China, and, uh, and then we never did. We, uh, but it was... Uh, but uh, other than that, I... You know, as I said, I, I've just been thrilled with the career. I've been, we, we had thousands of standing ovations. Yeah. You know, thousands. It was great. If you could have toured, and in the back of the book, there's the long list of who you oh, yeah, all played yeah. with. Is there, if there's any other act you would have liked to have toured well, with? Well, it would have been great to play with Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. It would have been great to play with... Uh, I, you know, the Eagles came after we did, but uh, it would have been great to play with the Eagles, a lot of a lot of bands. But uh, I, I, I never really thought about that. <laughs> but it was thrill. I tell you, I was thrilled to play with the Everly Brothers. Nice. You know, I mean, they were such a great. They were such a great, two great guys, wonderful guys, a wonderful sound. And I remember them. I remember them since I was like twelve or thirteen years old. Were there any acts that, as you performed with them, as, and really I'm talking more earlier on in, in your career, you kind of mentioned the who in terms of, of... Oh, yeah, they opened a bunch of our shows. Right, and then and then going on to what they became, but people may not have necessarily realized it at that time. Were there any other acts where where you maybe you kind of saw like, hmm, there's some potential with them, but at the time, you, no one really knew it. They kind of, I don't know if they surprised you guys necessarily, but that went on to something bigger. But at the time, when you were performing with them, maybe people didn't quite realize it, or even you guys. Well, were... most of the acts we performed with were, the first act we perform, uh, played with was the Love and Spoonful, and they were already gigantic. So most of, most of the acts that we played with were, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> were really established. So, uh, you know, it was just, uh, we got to play with so many people. Mm -hmm. It was just great. Which artist throughout, in any genre, at any point, or artists, do you think most emulates the approach, I don't even want to say the sound of the association, but I mean kind of the vibe? I don't think we sound like anyone and anyone sounds like us. Right. People have tried. But, you know, maybe, but maybe the vibe of the of the group in terms of the musical broad no approach. One, no one ever really came close. You know, we we people say, well, who do you try to sound like? We never tried to sound like anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think any a few people tried to sound like us, but it wasn't successful. I I loved when well I loved when you've been talking in the podcasts about Sunshine Pop, and it's hilarious when you talk about that. And yeah. the, the label that has been applied, which oh, I mean, I, if you listen through all the albums, I that I mean, that's an obvious takeaway. I I took I've listened through almost all of the albums except for yeah. I, I think uh, I think uh, the the one from 1972. Other than that, I, I heard every yeah. every single one. And it's not sunshine pop. There's there's a lot more yeah, musical nah. depth going on there. It's good art. Yeah, I, I, I agree with art. you completely. Yeah, it's there's. I, I mean, there wasn't what outside of good music. What? How 
describe for the listener what is what is the calling card of the association? It's just uh, Caribbean vocals, good instrumental tracks, solid music, and I'll tell you, we had a rule in the band: no whining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, none of our music whined. Mm-hmm. There's none of that. And then, of course, there's broccoli, none. too. So which is, yeah, of course. <laughs> and my wife would my wife would love that because she's a big broccoli fan. So that's, I, love, I still love broccoli. Well, that's good. That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of songs and, and some maybe underheard gems, well, there, there's five in particular. And this really piqued my interest when you've been talking about the songs from the 80s that were recorded, and you have access to, what, five of them? And there's yeah, some others that are exactly, out there? I, can't, I have not been able to find the others. But uh, okay. we might end up doing something with this anyway. I was going to say. Know, I, but they're great. It's some great stuff. When, some, I mean, it sounds good. When were they recorded, and like what year? How long after the reading? 1980. Okay, so right when you did Dreamer? Uh, I think Dreamer came a little later. Uh but uh, a little later, when we were first rehearsing to okay. get it together, we were do, rehearsing in a recording studio, okay. and we ended up recording a bunch of tunes. Okay. Um, and, uh, and there was, uh, and someone has, it's, I think they're probably in a storage garage in Idaho. <laughs> you know, that's my guess. Uh, at least they didn't end up in the Universal Fire. That's that's. <laughs> no, this was at uh, what's the name of the studio? I can't remember right now. It's in the book, but I once I wrote it down, I forgot it. Right, <laughs> of course. But what? Okay, so f- first you you said at some point they'll come out, and that and that's the thing. At any time I hear of newer newer music or unheard music, I that I think that's always fascinating. I know. When I know a lot of people, I was talking to uh, Dennis DeYoung the other day uh, with his album coming out, and he talked about how he had to kind of be convinced to do new music because he thought, well, people aren't, it's not going to get on the radio. People aren't caring about that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I am not necessarily, I want to hear newer stuff from these artists that we know. So is there a thought? So you just said, could this be out on like a digital EP or something? Is there some a certain point where you say, "All right, let's throw this out there"? Definitely a possibility. I, Good. But I really don't know at this point. Good. Yeah. How would you can, can you describe anything about titles well, or something? Well, one of the tunes is called Persian Gulf, and it, it's it's a cappella except it has a, an instrumental bridge, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to a cappella. But it's called Persian Gulf. It's, it's wonderful. It's just so powerful. Are there any performances by any of the individual members that really stand out on those five songs? Well, there's a tune called "There's a tune that Jim sings." It's uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it, but anyway, it's a, it's a real fun tune, and Jim sings. Jim is just a great singer. He really sings the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. I so hope this happens, and it's going to be a must listen to. I'm really looking forward. So to it. do I. Yes, I hope this happens. Okay, speaking of stories, um, were there, I mean, you covered so much in this book, I almost don't even want to bother asking the question, but I will. Are there any good stories that didn't make the book that you actually can talk about? Not that I can recall. I, you know, uh, we more, I more or less talked about everything I could. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are more stories, of course, but uh, if this says, well, of course, I'll do a second book, but... Uh, 
Nothing I can think of offhand. What's next for you? Say it again. What's What's the next thing you're gonna do now with the book out? What What's next on your uh, agenda? What are you gonna uh, do? Next? That's about it. You know, we we have a tour that starts on. Uh, it was supposed to start at the beginning of June, but needless to say, it's not. So it's starting. Uh, we're doing a tour on the ninth. It starts on the ninth of July. What and and that's still going on. I know a lot. I mean, obviously, a lot of concerts have been postponed or canceled yeah, yeah. and whatnot. But you guys are still planning. Is it still on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're planning on having the other tour starting the ninth of July. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah, the music. I'm happy to. Um, what? Uh, maybe the last question here. What to kind of sum up the association? Um, there's a there's a. a question i've sometimes heard on on talk radio it's kind of a it's kind of a one of those segments thing where they call like overrated underrated or properly rated so i'm going to rephrase that a little bit in overall culture and and what led you to do this book would you say the association has been properly rated underrated or misrated slash wrongly rated by society as at large i think all of them some people understand what we were doing and rated very high. Some people think we were, you know, bubblegum, which we were never. You know, I think I think all three of those ratings are definitely used for us. Mm-hmm. You know, but we're we were we, as I said, we did art, we did it well, and we still do. It's a book that I would encourage anyone to read about if they want to learn about music history. And the nice thing about it is, with with your writing with with Ashley, is that there's a there is a lot of history. There's a lot of context. Oh yeah, a lot of history. In this more book. than I realized when I started it. It's an educational book. It's a good refresher book if you know your history but you've forgotten your history. Read the book. Along comes the association beyond folk rock and three piece suits. Ashley Ren Collins and of course Russ Jaguar. Of the association. Thanks for taking some time to, to chat with us this morning. Anytime, Luke. Call me anytime. Sounds good, and we'll be looking forward to hopefully that music coming down the road and more stuff in the future. I certainly hope so. Russ Jaguar there from the association. Their website is theassociationwebsite.com. Theassociationwebsite.com. You can learn more about the book, Along Comes the Association, Beyond Folk Rock and Three Piece Suits. You can Learn about uh, tour dates and get a whole lot of information right there at their website. And, yeah, of course, the association is still going around. And, again, a reminder, Russ has retired from touring with the group, but he essentially runs the group. So he's still part of the band. Even though you won't see him on tour, he's still part of the band. Good to see them going after all of these years. This has been the latest edition of Got Time for a Quick Story. Thanks, as always, to my employer, Greatest Hits 98.1 Radio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, for providing the facilities to do these interviews. And you can listen to a lot of these same interviews at their web at their website, which is GreatestHits981.com. GreatestHits981.com. You'll also find uh, these interviews posted at that Facebook page for Greatest Hits 98.1 as well. You can also follow this podcast on a lot of the usual in a lot of the usual places, Apple, Android, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. Subscribe so you'll know when new episodes come and rate this preferably higher because that will get more attention spread about this podcast. Got time for a quick story? I'm Luke Anthony.